Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is our favorite Rockets expert, Frank, with Rockets Chop Shop. And it's a Rockets free agent special show. And Frank, I saw and I heard a lot of whining negativity on social media on Saturday. And I guess I'm the in the minority on this because I really love what the Rockets did and who they pr- prioritized. Am I crazy? Well, you're not crazy. Uh, I'm going to say there's two things. One, that's not as bad as everybody makes it out to seem. But two, I don't think this is who the Rockets. If you ask Rafael Stone, is this who I, um, what he planned on doing in this free agency? I don't think that's what. I think they. This is a lot of contingency because uh, from what they've said about the extent, uh, the you know, length of contracts. I don't think they ever thought about giving Dylan Brooks a four-year contract would be something that they plan to do, even though Fred Van Vliet's contract is a three-year, which has its advantages. Um, I don't think that's also something, uh, even though it's a team option, I don't think that was also something they they mentioned. Uh, I think the most of the thrust of what was coming out was two-year deals, two-year deals to keep cap flexibility. But overall, you know, the the moves, you know, getting Jeff Green, Jock Londale, Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet. Um, I think those are good moves, not the best move, but it's not like the end of the world. I think what to me is more concerning as far as is, is some of the other stuff, as far as giving away assets for free, which is basically what they did with some of the players that um, were let go to make space to, to acquire some of these players. And that to me, that speaks to a different issue than actual free agency. It's more of just issues from, you know, the past that are just catching up to the Rockets, most notably uh, the one Steven Silas and his, reluctance to to play some of these young guys and let them um, actually show whether they have value or not. And the players that were playing, the Daisha Nixes of the world, uh, basically were just waved. They let Daisha Nix walk, but he was averaging 30 minutes for a good month while Ty Ty was, uh, was on the bench. So uh, just, just stuff like that. I think overall, just gross asset mismanagement of the free agency part, not too bad. Yeah. I'm going to circle back to the mismanagement stuff because I'm sort of more on a middle ground than you are with that. I don't think they did things perfectly, but, you know, the things that they screw up, I feel like we just kind of went over all of that stuff for the last three years, you and I. So it's not Mm -hmm. something that you and I have not spoken about. But let me start off with Fred Van Vliet, because I love Fred Van Vliet. And for some reason, I hear from Rockets fans and their judgment on Fred Van Vliet is just, okay, He's a max guy. They hear max guy. He's got to be a superstar. And what I don't think the fans get is you can't look at Fred Van Vliet's basketball reference and judge what he's worth to the Rockets and what he's worth, period. Uh, Frank, are you familiar with a, there's a, uh, it's called Raptor. It's a uh, analytical, Mm -hmm. Raptor is a way to judge players from an analytical standpoint. And I feel like the Rockets are very analytical franchise. Fred Van Vliet in the entire NBA last year and what was by most people's standard an off year for Fred Van Vliet was 13th in Raptor, 13th, 1-3, okay? So you're going to say, well, what is, I mean, how do I know if these guys thought this Raptor judgment's any good? Well, I'm going to start start from one to name some of the guys ahead of Fred Van Vliet, the guys ahead of him. Jokic, Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Doncic. Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Jalen Brunson, Derek White, Drew Holiday, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, 
Kyrie Irving, and then Fred Van Vliet. After Fred Van Vliet, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, James Harden, Trey Young, Darius Garland, LeBron James. This isn't some joke stat, Frank. This is an analytic franchise that sees way more value in Fred Van Vliet. And the idea that Fred Van Vliet, Frank, is not that good of a shooter, 34%, on open catch and shoots last year, he shot 44%. He's somebody that, you know, if he's on a team that can give a little bit more spacing to him instead of that Raptors team that he was on and, and had some guys that actually could drive and kick, which it wasn't filled with a bunch of those type of guys, he would have been a better player. Fred Van Vliet does all the little things that you and I have talked about all last season. Rockets, they don't fight around screens. They don't hustle on defense. They're not getting their hands in. Get, well, that Rockets, a couple guys are get good at getting their hands in for steals. He's one of the best in the NBA at doing that. There are so many little things that Fred Van Vliet does that I don't think Rockets fans understand. And that's why they circled him and punctuated it. And you had to pay a loser's tax to get a Fred Van Vliet to come to Houston. But it's two years to train these guys. And, and, and Fred Van Vliet won a championship in Toronto. And everybody, oh, he wasn't the best player. He got an MVP vote in the NBA Finals. Fred Van Vliet won a championship or was in the Final Four, I should say, in college. He was on a team that was undefeated in his conference in college, 31-0. and 0. This guy's a winner through his entire career. And Fred Van Vliet is going to give you things that the Rockets just don't, don't get. And he was the perfect complement. And I have no issue with them putting their stock in Fred Van Vliet as a guy that can make these guys better and teach these guys the right habits. I think there's two type of ways to approach this. There's some people that look at Fred Van Vliet, the player, and like him as a player, but hate the contract. Some people that look at Fred Van Vliet as a, a contract they just, or, or a player that they hate uh, regardless. I think I fall in the camp. When it was a three-year deal and we didn't know that third year was an option, I, I was kind of like, I was like, okay, that's not great. Um, but the two-year, I was always o- open with a two-year 80. Like, okay, that's good because you're paying for all those things you described. Obviously, Fred, if you look at the Raptors, he, he didn't have an efficient year. Um, by his own his own standards. But one thing that he always impacts is winning because um, the net rating for him on and off the court for the Raptors was, uh, I think it was like five or six. And that's significant for that team, especially, you know, as, like you said, as bad as they are, that they were winning the game. I think he's a plus like two or three when he was on the court for that team. And you got to think about the makeup of the Raptors. Yes, they have Siakam and OG Ananobi and um, Scotty Barnes, but these are all forwards that can't shoot then you throw in the fact that after that, the the drop-off for their bench players, which are mostly undrafted and fringe NBA guys, this year was, and the past few years, is Fred is being asked to do more than what he normally does. If Fred Van Vliet is your best, like, offensive engine, then you're in trouble, right? Because he's going to be inefficient. You know, he's a shorter guard. If he's going to be the guy that, Fred, we need you to drop 30 tonight, and which is what a lot of times the Raptors would, they were trying to do with him and because there's some of their offensively limited players. It's not the case in Houston, right? In Houston, he's going to be surrounded, like you pointed out, by athletes, better spacing, a higher stock of talent. And I think what the hope for the Rockets is you're overpaying for veteran leadership. He's a champion. He brings integrity to your team, a toughness that you're going to pay for. At the same time, on court, he can play off 
of the other talented players like we've seen him do when the the uh, Raptors were good with even not even with Kawhi but when he was playing with uh, Kyle Lowry and and some of those other guys with real players that could shoot so I think that's the best case scenario is that you don't want Fred Van Vliet being Mr. Everything for the Rockets and I hope he's not Mr. Everything because we have Jalen we have Kevin Porter we have Alperen Sengun and hopefully Jabari comes along this year um, yeah, you have yeah, they- uh, you got to think Go about him trying to do everything is he was having to play way too many minutes because they didn't have right. a bench. And he, with the Rockets, it's not going to be like that. And he's a 5'11 guy. And people said, oh, he did look that good six this one. year. Or, um, he's almost six foot, but supposedly he's oh, yeah. probably shorter than that. <laughs> but he's 5'11. But he's not. when you're talking about a guy that size trying to play that many minutes as hard as Van Vliet does, you're asking – for disaster. Well, the Rockets, if, if the fans don't want a lot of Fred Van Bleet, then that's exactly, you're, he's in the perfect situation because, you know, he might only play 20, 28 minutes. So you could see Kevin Porter or Ahmed Thompson coming off the bench for him and playing some of those minutes. So you're talking about, he was asked a lot. He was asked way too much for a guy, his size and his ability on an NBA team, but it says a lot about him that he was still out there nonstop hustling. And he's the definition of culture. He's a guy that nobody gave a shot, undrafted guy. Frank, he made as much his whole first year in the NBA as he's going to make in one game this year. Once again, the two plus one is great. Um, I'm curious to see what the fit is going to be as far as on the court. Um, Not only just with his fit, I know he can fit with, you know, any of the players we put next to him, but also how, how do you bring along some of the other guys? Um, You know, I'm curious to see where Kevin Porter, I know that's a big thing that's going to come up. Where does KPJ go? Is he uh, going to the second unit? And then Amen Thompson, how did they bring him, bring him along um, with that? Looking at the free agency in totality, totality, it just seems like the Rockets were operating on contingency mode rather than their, uh, what they wanted to do. Um, I think if you take the Dylan Brooks contract out of it, they pretty much got, you know, basically what I wanted them to get. The only thing that's wrong with the Dylan Brooks contract to me, it's an overpay and it's the the length of the contract. But otherwise, you know, Van Vliet, basically you have a two plus one and that third year could be something that's a, ben- a benefit to you. If you do find a trade partner to have that option, maybe he does work out. Maybe Fred Van Vliet is the key piece for a, a championship, uh, a contender, not a championship contender, but a, he's a big reason why we're a contender in 25-26, and you do want to keep him on the team. Maybe you can renegotiate that. Where a lot of people were disappointed is the names that were floated around, the Brooke Lopez's of the world, the Cam Johnsons, and all these other names, and you look at what the market had and what some of the prices other teams were paying uh, to land some of the guys that they got. Um, then you look at who we got and what we're paying. I think it, some of the fans are a bit uh, disappointed in that, and they have a right to be. But I, I, no, I, I, I disagree. Okay, let me Hold just, on, I let wanna, me finish. Let me finish. I, I, I want to speak finish. to that finish. in a second. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a right to be um, if you had those expectations, even by the Rockets' own standards. But I would say that these are the things that you're paying for from what you let Stone and Steven Silas have done over the past few years. This these are the the this is the taxes we have to pay for just blindly tanking without considering development to um, even add value to the most the the realest assets we've had this whole time was players. We had seven first round picks on here and you had a coach and a GM that thought it was okay to play Eric Gordon and 
and Boban and, and Dacia Nix and all these guys that have no impact on the future of your team that you ultimately were just going to let walk out the door. And now that we're at this point, teams have looked at us as a laughing stock. The NBA thinks we're a joke. So you have to pay this money to these guys to change that around. And I think that that's what the, the, the focus is, trying to change that narrative that, hey, we're serious. We have serious players on this roster and we're, we're getting guys. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a mistake that, or, or it's not on purpose that they're, everybody they've gotten is either a champion or somebody that's played at a, deep in the playoffs. It's defensive-minded, it's tough-minded, and no-nonsense. That's kind of the characters of the players they brought in. They didn't bring in any scorers or any guys that are just offensively gifted like that. You know, Harden is not here. Once we get over that, I think uh, hopefully the product they have on the court reflects um, what the idea they were trying to do. But I know you're going to rebut this. I still think by their own standards, they fell short of what they plan to do. And that's okay. Yeah, other than that, I, I, I think the free agency, as far as just signing the players, wasn't as bad as, as um, we all thought, um, I, as you get to see some of the details. But um, obviously, it wasn't perfect, though. Yeah, from my understanding, their top three guys, they signed two of their top three guys. Brooke Lopez was going to be difficult because you're trying to pull Brooke Lopez away from a championship caliber team and Giannis and he was happy there you you could have tried to offer him the same thing that Milwaukee did 24 million dollars a year for a 35 year old center that you know has had a back issue and you could have said well let me give him 30 million dollars but I I don't think that was the smart move and you were going to have to overpay to get Brooke Lopez because he's he's on a championship team and the Rockets are where they are right now and you said there is a loser's tax and yeah that that meant you had to pay a little bit more for Fred Van Bleet and you had to pay a little bit more for Dylan Brooks. But I don't think it's like crazy out of control. And we knew that going in. This is not any secret that you were going to have to pay a little more. I don't think this caught the Rockets off guard. I thought the Van Bleet getting, getting him for just two years was, the, was perfect with the team option on the third year. And as far as Dylan Brooks, I don't get what everybody thinks that this Dylan Brooks contract is bad. Dylan Brooks is 27 years old. He's in his prime. He is an elite defensive guy, like an all NBA caliber. Like he can, he can get you an all NBA uh, first, second, second, third team as far as a defender. Those guys, you win with those type of guys. He also has all of the toughness and all of the hustle that you want this, these other guys to learn from. You want Tari Easton to have a guy like that and Jamari Smith to have a guy like Dylan Brooks. And 20 million, it's four years, $80 million, which is $20 million a year. Now, if they front loaded it, I don't know if anybody cares. Because what does it matter if they front loaded it? What's it matter to you and me and any of the fans? Who cares? They're going to have to pay somebody. They paid a guy that can really bring uh, a little bit of defense and a little bit of attitude to a team that badly needs it. You and I talked about the lack of toughness that this team has had. But if they didn't, if it's $20 million a year for the next four years, $20 million in year three and year four with the new CBA will be the equivalent of $14 million a year now, which is not that big a deal for a Dylan Brooks and what he brings. He's going to be tradable in two years if you need to trade him, because I think there's always a value, value for a guy like that, especially at age 29, 30, 31 years old. He's going to have value. And as far as like what he was worth on the open market, what you paid him, look, the Rockets had to go beyond mid-level because there was going to be some veteran, there was going to be some teams out there that were competing 
that would have a mid-level to give Dylan Brooks. I am confident of that. So they had to go over the mid-level because of who the Rockets are. But, you know, they, they, they knew they wanted to go after Dylan Brooks for the last couple of weeks, and they got him. And I know he gets a lot of technicals, and I know he's a, he's a shot chucker, but if you don't have confidence in the guy in a M.A. Udoka that basically a year ago, Frank, a year ago, two weeks ago, he was coaching an NBA finals team. He had took a Celtics team that looked like they were mediocre and maybe just couldn't get it together. And he got it together and they were practically favored to win the finals over the Golden State Warriors. And if Jason Tatum did get hurt, they might have done it. He was considered an elite coach a year ago. And you've just got to trust that that guy could take a Dylan Brooks and say, all right, let's let's change your shot selection. You know, let's do it, do things a little bit differently. But Dylan Brooks, he's had to he's had to shoot more at times for, for Memphis because there have been many times over the last few years that Ja Morant has been out for a week, a month, injuries, suspensions, whatever. So I, I just don't understand that this Dylan Brooks, Brooks would be a great if, if it wasn't for, you know, his his kind of, I guess, off the court attitude that I think a lot of people where he's kind of this villain character. I, I just don't understand why Dylan Brooks isn't worth it for what he brings to you and, and defense and hustle and what he could teach these guys. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a great value. I'm not. I love Dylan Brooks as as far as like what he brings defensively. I think that you're under underplaying his shot chucking ability, and I think uh, one of the reasons that they lost the Lakers was largely because of him. He became unhinged in that series, and with his individual battles he was having, um, he had a minus 15 throughout that. The I think throughout the entire playoffs, actually. So, but that you know that doesn't even matter right now. I think for his contract. 20 million. I don't know who, what contender or what team was competing with them. We will never know. I'm sure there was some competition for that because I don't think the Rockets arbitrarily just go to a, a number and say that, okay, this is what we're going to give you. Um, the length of the contract is my issue because it dips into two extension years for not only Jalen's class, but Jabari's class. Under this new CBA, um, I think that the margins matter. And what I mean by that is that some of those you're going to see like teams like the Phoenix Suns um, because they have so many talented players up front that it's going to be hard to really fill out a roster. And for us that we have still, as we speak right now, between Jabari, Tari, Jalen, Alpee, um, we still have um, a man and Cam. Th those are six players um, that could possibly, you know, we hope any of them are good or at least decent enough that you want to pay. Um, you know, you could be paying a lot of guys. And I think that the optionality that Stone has always preached over the past few years is something that the Dylan Brooks contracts goes against. Now, his on-court, all that stuff, yeah, he's going to bring defense. One of the best defenders in the NBA. I was checking his ratings on Synergy. He's either good or um, above average or excellent in every defensive rating that metric you could look at, on-ball, off-ball, you know, uh, pick and roll, ball handler, guarding, guarding screen. Like, he's good. He's a great defender, and that elevates your team a lot. Um, some of the off the, you know, the immature stuff that he does, um, you know, I hope, you know, that's why you have an email, Udoka. You hope he can mitigate some of that. But um, 
to me, my question is, why didn't uh, Memphis see the value in that? Because obviously he was there. He was a guy that they developed. So there is something there. So I don't want to dismiss anybody that has some apprehension about uh, Dylan Brooks, not only his fit um, long-term, but also his fit just within the construct of a younger team that has less to play for than Memphis. Because Memphis was actually trying to win games. And not he wasn't always like this bad guy that everybody paints him, but there were times where he kind of goes off the rail. Okay, the, okay, uh, okay. Let me just, can I, I want to rebut because you're doing like two or three things that I got to rebut immediately. Number one, ahead. I just disagree with you on the, uh, on the, on the, on the fact that his, this money is going to be a problem because like I said, three years down the road, four years down the road, $20 million is the equivalent of maybe 15 or 14 or 13 or $12 million. The cap is going to go up is it, mm-hmm. it, it there because of smoothing, they can only go up 10%. So I'm going to guess it's going to go up 20% within about two years. Mm-hmm. You don't need to worry about contract extensions until three years down the road. We're talking three years down the road to start with. And I don't think a guy making $20 million in, in three years is going to be a big deal at all with his new cap and the, as far as the percentage of what it is in the cap, especially a guy that can start on a team that we've already seen was second in the Western Conference. Yeah, but and, but, and, but he lost he lost them in the in the. So what I mean by the impact is not on his salary, but obviously with the cap increase, salaries are going to adjust, right? So there's going to be inflation to match the increase. It's not going to be everybody still getting paid the same. If you're trying to build a team with, and OKC's going to have the same issue with all these talented players, um, decisions are going to have to be made. And some players are going to be in that $20 million range. And, you know, if trying to trade them out, for example, let's say you wanted to trade Dylan Brooks um, because the market for taking on $20 million for teams that are trying to contend is not going to be open because most of them are going to be at close to that second apron or right below it because they the teams that are good I'm talking about. So your market is going to be the lower tier team. So what I mean is that it's not like easy peasy. You're just going to, throw out like oh, we're going to trade this guy to here because with the, with this new uh new uh the way the cba is, is uh, impacting teams contenders are going to be strapped and once you have your players in place building out a deep roster is really going to be hard you so don't you, if, you okay so you don't think a starting level wing defender well, we, we elite do, defender elite okay hold on a starting level he is a starting level elite defender on a well, team that now we, yeah today today yes yeah yeah and he's 27 so he'll be 30 31. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Frank, right. He's a 30 or 31 year old starting level elite defender. Okay. On a team that can go to the Western conference finals, which he has done. You don't think that that is going to be worth it for a salary that what I'm telling you is $20 million to in, in three years could be worth $10 million could be worth $12 million. It's not going to be worth $20 million, Frank. It's not if if you if you had an elite wing defender right now that was making twelve million dollars, you would be having a party. If, if you were a team, Robert, if you were, you're not accounting. You're not accounting for why Dylan Brooks was a, a free. That's what I'm saying. Like you're assuming a lot of the upside outcomes, and I'm telling you, there's still a world where the reason the team that he was drafted to didn't try to just give him a twenty million dollar contract is because he lost. He was one of the reasons they got bounced out the playoffs. He has issues, and that's why he's a depressed asset that even though we paid a tax to get him, 
it wasn't like the world was just everybody. Oh, Dylan Brooks, this all defensive wing is in the free. If he was what you're describing right now, he probably would be one of the best free agents on the market, but he I, wasn't. I, I also and, though I also think that Memphis had an issue. They they have some out of control players. John Morant is one of those players. I think they have a head coach that m- might have been a little bit lenient. I don't think their head coach is similar to M.A. Udoka. M.A. Udoka is an accountability guy. I like Taylor Jenkins and what he's done with Memphis. I like the, how Memphis does their th- I like most people. But, you know, look, John Morant is suspended for the second time in a year. That was a whole roster full of guys, not just him. It was a whole roster full of guys that had gotten a little bit too arrogant, a little bit too fast, and needed to be reined in. And it was just an environment where they weren't reined in. And, you know, the Rockets are going to surround him with a guy like a Fred Van Bleet. And we're talk, we're going to talk down the road about Jeff Green and Patty Mills and, 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 and Udoka. And I just, I, I, I think, like, we got to, you got to look at Memphis and what was going on there and put that into perspective. And also the fact that, you know, he might have just needed to change his scenery. He might have needed Memphis, Memphis to say, Look, dude, we just got sick of your act, and maybe he knows he's got to change his act now. And and Udoka's kind of gonna, you know, talk to him about that. And I think he's gonna have to know that a little bit too. He's gonna know that. Look, I I I had to do this because of what had happened in my career. And I think that that he's the exact though kind of guy that you get if you're the Rockets and you're in their their situation that you feel like it's not that bad to to get a new, get get somebody like him because we, we might be able to get him on the right side of where his career is going to go as he becomes a veteran. So if, if we get like, if we get, so this year, Dylan Brooks, he was 13 points, uh, 14 points uh, per game, uh, 39% from the field, 32 from three, um, three rebounds, two assists. So I think what you're saying, you're, if he improves, because as is right now, in combination with some of his, like, the way he rubs people, that's to me why he's not worth $20 million. I don't care now or next year or when, whenever the CBA. But assuming, and this is what you just described, assuming Coach Udoka is able to rein him in and he's able to fit within the construct of a team and be able to hold back some of the, the things that takes away from his talent, then, yes, that could be a steal. Um, you know, that could be a steal contract down the road. Um, but that to me, that's what it's a lot of assumptions. So that's why when I say people are right or they have a right to be able to be like, uh, I don't like the Dylan Brooks for your thing. There's a reason for it. And I don't want you to like poo poo that like it's nothing. There is a reason he was available to us. There's a reason that he's here. So if you if we assume that he does keep uh, he improves because I don't think 14, three and two is going to be a guy that teams are going to be dying to get. If he can just become a more efficient and more tamed because I don't want to take away some of the stuff he does, because I also think that's what makes him great, is that gritty kind of, I don't care who you are, I'm going after you. If they can find a balance, and that's a lot to ask for Coach Udoka. If he can do that, then, yeah, it'll be a steal. But there's still the flip side to that, where maybe he never learns to conform to that, and maybe Houston doesn't have the infrastructure to be able to help him out with that, because we're still a largely uh, unknown as to what we're going to bring forward. But that's what you think about the Fred Van Vliet. I'm glad they got Fred. I'm glad they brought in Jeff Green. Because to me, Dylan Brooks needs that just as much as Jalen Green. 
because one thing Memphis never had was they didn't have a lot of vets over there. There's a bunch of young, talented players like us. They were just better, more, uh, more better coach, more developed. They were winning, but they never had that veteran structure that all young players need to come into the NBA. They're trying to get that now with some of the moves that they made in free agency, but maybe Dylan benefits from having a Fred there of a champion, you know, uh, Jeff Green, who's been around the league, a champion, um, you know, Jack Landale is still young and maybe the Rockets can still add other players to the mix that can also be that veteran structure. So in that world, yes, but I, I understand why people aren't, you know, thrilled about giving him a four year, $80 million contract. So that, that's just my point. Yeah. I just, I just felt like it was a lot of overreaction. I, I don't feel like the contract is like this terrible, you know, albatross of a contract or anything like that. I feel like every Rocket fan thinks that every one of their first round picks are going to turn into superstars that need $50 million a year in three years and whatever. I'm like, if, if that's the problem that the Rockets have, give me those problems. Give me those problems. Okay. <laughs> now, um, uh, I, I want to ask you about uh, what they did with the, the center position after Brooke Lopez. Was there another option? Were you surprised that they didn't go after Capella? What did you think of Jock Londale? The only thing I know about Jock Londale is he had his moments in that uh, series against the Nuggets. Mm -hmm. And for games three and four, then they were plus 26 when Jock Londale was on the court. And, and that's pretty incredible against the Denver Nuggets. Now, I, I don't guess he was going up against uh, Jokic all that much, but still pretty impressive for Londale. But it's a, it's a, you know, I, nothing wrong with the contract. It's uh, only one year guarantee for $8 million. And, you know, it's a four year deal, but only the first year is guaranteed. But what do you think about the, the big situation in Lawndale? I mean, it's an upgrade from Boban. So we'll, we'll say that it gives them a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not saying much, uh, but um, it, it gives us a, a viable backup. Um, I still think they have a need for the archetype of the Capella type to be on the roster. Um, it doesn't have to be like a world beater or somebody that's going to actually start, but just to have that versatility, uh, Londale is pretty athletic. Um, I do know that about him. He's a pretty athletic kid and um, he brings, uh, he's not like Al P like he's, he's more uh, light footed. He can move a little bit better. So they it does give them some versatility, but he's not elite in any aspect of his game, but I think he's a good backup. He's fairly young. Um, what is he only jock is 27 years old. So he's not like an older, older vet, but he's been around locker rooms. I think he's been in the league like three years now. So, um, you know, it's a good pickup. Uh, I don't see the connection between going from – that's why I said I feel like they were operating in, in like uh, scramble mode a little bit. I don't imagine there was a, like a big board that had uh, that had Brooke Lopez and uh, alternate option Jock Lundell. does make sense to me. Uh, so I just assumed that they did the best they could given the situation that they planned on happening didn't work out. Um, I, I would have hoped they would have tried to be more aggressive, but, you know, it takes two to tango, so I'm sure they couldn't find the the type of player. And this is okay because guess what they did? This is what I, I wanted all their roster, uh, their roster moves to be. They just kicked the can down the road and say, you know what? We didn't find a guy we like, so let's just give Jack Landell a contract for a year. We can structure it however. They can get out of this next year. If they see somebody better on the market, they can put together Londale. They can put together Green. Uh, cobble together a couple of these contracts and be able to pivot out of there and get an actual real uh, a player that could be somebody they can move forward. So smart move. Um, it was a good, smart pivot from missing on on your target with Brooke Lopez. Yeah, I mean, I heard the name uh, Dwight Powell, but 
the Mavericks brought him back. And then, you know, you look at, you know, going from Brooke Lopez and you said down, I, I believe Capella might've been a potential guy, but I think once the price went up as high as it did on a, on the other two guys that maybe some of that money for Capella, they just decided it would be better and it would be more conducive for us to split it up between the Jeff Greens and the Patty Mills and stuff like that. Now, you mentioned off the top, you were talking about the guys that the first round picks that some people will say they gave away. I, I believe that uh, these guys were guys that they had to get rid of because, you know, that it, it was a money situation. And they, mm-hmm. they actually picked Patty Mills and Jeff Green and given a little extra and given the money to make sure they got Dylan Brooks to, to get, get rid of some of those guys. Now, yeah. um, as far as the Josh Christopher is concerned, I'm, I mean, he's a guy that I think could be a turn out to be a pretty decent bench player, but all of these guys to me are bench players. Now you might disagree with that. I feel like on a, on a, on a really good playoff team, a team that's a final four or final eight team, these are bench players. Garuba, I've already told you, I don't even think he's a rotation guy. Ty uh, Ty, maybe he's a backup at best. That's my judgment. And as far as KJ Martin goes, they did get a couple of second rounders. And, and I feel like that's his price point because, again, I feel like KJ Martin's a backup. They had one year on the deal. And what happens with KJ is, you know, then you have to decide in one year how, how, how high are you willing to go, you know, if he, he hits free agency, restricted free agency or something like that for a guy that when you look at who's on that, who the Rockets have, is it going to be worth doing that? You'd rather maybe get something back for him down the road that you could use. And, and, and look, the value of a second round pick, Frank, it's gone up with the new CBA. And I think people need to understand that it's got better value. People used to give it away like candy, Mm -hmm. but I think now it's got some real value. And I think getting a couple second rounders for KJ was fair. Some people thought, Oh, he should have been worth the first rounder. He's got one year left on his deal, and he's a backup, in my opinion, on any contender. I would say, um, well, the, the, we also gave away two first, uh, two second round picks. I think in some, in one of the deals, um, I think for yeah, that was in the Atlanta. supposedly that was, and I and again, this thing hasn't turned official, but supposedly they gave away two second rounders when they gave Garuba. And uh, tie tie to Atlanta, right? And I I don't know if for, I quite understand that. But there was also like a a six ten euro that uh, yeah was... uh, Aka Baka, <laughs> um, but the, the 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 this all of this like what happened today is is just the results of bad management from the past. Like once again, um, Josh Christopher may maybe you could have squeezed more value out of him if if Coach Salas just never played him. Um, if he played him more, I mean, um, and he never really got a consistent minutes, even when he was doing well, he wouldn't get minutes. Um, by the time he did start getting a little bit of minutes, he was so, so like pressed about not messing up that you could really watch him playing tight. Um, you know, with the uh, Garuba, you know, eh, you know, I'm not super high on Garuba. Um, I think Ty Ty has probably had the, the worst situation out of this, because even though he wasn't like, he didn't look ready, honestly, when he first started getting some time to play. Um, I would have rather exhausted what he could be than seeing what Dacia Nix could be because 
I don't understand Coach Silas's rationale for even playing Knicks. Were, were you trying to win games? Do you think he gave you a better chance to win? Or I don't get it because they end up just letting him walk out the door anyway. So I think um, whenever you are giving away uh, first-round picks that are within a year or two, uh, you you did something wrong um, there. And it's an admission of, of a mistake that you've made. And, and um, I think that if the Rockets con- could have foresaw that what we all have been saying for the past few years, like you can draft all these players and think you're going to develop them. They should have either kicked the can with these picks and flipped them earlier and not drafted these guys or uh, just let them play. And you're going to try to tank anyways. Why are we seeing Jay Sean Tate on the court? Why are we seeing Eric Gordon getting 30 something minutes? Why is Boban playing? Play all these guys. Let's see if they, if they're good or bad. At least you can make better and a more informed decision. And I think they failed in doing that. So you're just giving away guys without really knowing what their true potentials are. I do agree they're probably all backups, bench, uh, you know, uh, eighth, ninth, tenth men in the NBA. And that may be so, or maybe not. I don't know. I think the KJ thing, to me, they could have extended him earlier. Um, I'm not sure whether he would have uh, taken it, but I would have had the – because I I could have told KJ was going to be a good – he is – I know for sure he's a good backup player in the NBA on any team. He could bring value to a team. Now, I think what they did with Tate – should have been with K.J. Martin. And then when you do have a defined contract for him, then I think you could get better value. And I agree with what you said. The fact that he is basically still on his rookie uh, contract and it's expiring, it, it, even if you like him as a, as a team, you can't take the risk of giving up good assets to get him on your team because you might not even keep him because he might want too much. So give him that take contract earlier, that three for, you know, three for 21, $22 million, and that just goes back to talent evaluation because I don't think I don't I don't think Tate is I don't know what Tate is in the open market. He's older. He's going to be 28 or 29 whenever the season starts. Um, his game is not going to develop any much more than it is right now. I think he is what he is. I think Stone overvalued him, and I think they're they traded they're trading away the young the 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 wrong asset. I would have rather trade a Tate on a whatever deal he had and kept KJ on that Tate deal. But um, it is what it is. I think to me, that's the, that's the worst thing they've done in free agency. Aside from the Dylan Brooks gripe that I have, to me, that aspect of it was bad. Everything else I think is fairly good. And, you know, they pretty much did what I wanted. They got Fair Van Fleet and they kicked the can down the road on, on the other stuff. And just we're going to wait and see what they do next year and the year after that um, if, if uh, better players are available. And maybe one of the benefits of having Fred and some of these vets is that maybe we look good and guys are more, they feel better about coming down to Houston. People are scared to come play down with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. because they're known around the league as shot chuckers and just guys that don't care. You know, you've heard multiple people talk about it. Austin Rivers, John Wall, um, just guys come out of their way to say something about Rockets need this. And nobody is going to come put their livelihood on the line when they have to depend on these guys. So I think Fred also addresses that issue that if we're trying to land a big, a big man or somebody, they at least they know they have a point guard that can get them set up. So um, I think right now, this year coming up is going to be a prove-it year for the Rockets to the NBA. Then if they have uh, cap space next summer, we may be able to go get a, a better player that can we can keep adding on to the team. On Ty Ty, you know, it's obvious, yeah. If you played him some last year, maybe it shows him as more potential and maybe you're not having to give second-round picks to – get rid of them or if that's exactly what they did but also if you play Ty Ty more maybe you don't get on Ben Thompson maybe you're not as high in the draft 
and Ahmed Thompson. No. I, you know, Ahmed Thompson. No, look, look, look. I know, I know, I know, Frank. I mean, you and I at the time thought you, you, it wasn't worth tanking last year. But Ahmed Thompson, I got to admit, despite the fact that they didn't get the two guys at the top and Scoot and Wemby, Ahmed Thompson is a guy that I'm pretty excited about. And I don't know what you think, but I feel like as far as potential, he's somebody that could be a great player. And the thing that really, really impresses me about him is everything from the neck up. Everybody's Mm -hmm. talking about his athleticism, but I see a guy that is one of the hardest working guys. He is incredibly sharp. He loves basketball. He lives it. If you watch interviews, he can, you name a guy and he could practically tell you where he was drafted from the last like 40 years or something like that. So, you know, he's somebody that, uh, he, he's somebody that I feel like is humble, but I think he wants to be great. So I, I haven't asked you, what do you think of the Ahmed Thompson pick? I mean, you, you've everything that you just said. I think he has a chance to be the best prospect we have on you know, in the franchise. Um, and it's not because of his just all his physical abilities, but what you just said. He's the, one of the first players that we've drafted to me that gets it. Um, one of the things I'm down on Jalen on, and it's not his, his playing abilities, is just his demeanor as a, on the court. Uh, Jalen doesn't really give me like, you know, he's a two guard. So you think about the Kobe Bryant's and the Dwayne Wade's and some of the, the great two guards in NBA history that are savants of the game, that think the game. And I think that's a prerequisite to be in the upper echelon of NBA greatness. Like you have to be somebody that views the game on a, on a, from a mental kind of a, that level, you have to look at it like, like it's, it's almost like a, a study. And I think a man does that. I think he, he's a student of basketball. I mean, the stories of him and his brother sleeping in the gym and waking up just to work out and go back. They sleep like on the floor in the locker rooms. They watch film every day. They break down film. I mean, just just all those type of things. You hear him talk in interviews when he breaks down a play like he sounds like a coach. I think one of the most amazing things that I saw and this really let let me know what how what time he's on with his thinking when they asked him to describe. I don't know if you remember this uh, Cam Whitmore's game and he described it like a scout. He's talking about, you know, he plays bully ball. He has a great second jump um, that can help him get to, like, the terms he was using is somebody that watches a lot of basketball. He didn't just say, oh, he could dunk, and he's at the second jump. He's timing, all this stuff that a scout would look at in describing a a prospect, and this is a a 19-year-old looking at them. So I'm really high on the man. I think that um, once he gets acclimated to the NBA with his size, his ability to pass the ball, his uh, his ability to play defense and his athleticism, his burst, his attack on the rim, um, he he has a chance to be that guy for us and one of the leaders on the team. And um, I'm hoping that Fred Van Vliet really gives him that structure that Jalen and Alpern and them never had, which is a vet that can help him into the NBA, the landing, make it not so hard, and then he can watch and learn because I think some guys need to watch and learn. Hey, guys, Kobe Bryant was on the bench for two years before he got a shot because he was young and that's perfectly fine. You can still be a hall of famer and not play 38 minutes a game. Uh, like Jabari did his first year, which to me, he was, he wasn't ready. He might not be ready this year. So yeah, I'm super high on, on the men on, on camp Whitmore. I think he's going to be a couple years away, not because of physicals, but he's like, he needs more me- mental 
acclimation to the speed of the NBA. I think he's going to struggle with that defensive schemes and things like that. Once he gets that, I also think he has a lot of upside and could probably do a lot of the stuff KJ did for us. One thing underrated about KJ, KJ was very, very smart as a basketball player. And I think um, that's something the Rockets are going to miss from his, him, him is his IQ as a basketball player. Hopefully Whitmore can replace that over the years as he learns. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really high on the men, Thompson. You talk about what Fred Van Vliet can give to him. I feel like Patty Mills, you know, he went through Popovich. He went through, you know, learning under Tony Parker. There is a reason that Patty Mills is on this roster and Patty Mills is on this roster and Ty Ty Washington is not. And there's a reason for that. Um, you have to believe that that's very, you know, that's very Udoka as far as decision go- goes. And and I just got to get I'm my- hearing I'm hearing, Robert, real quick, that Patty may be looped into the Dylan Brooks trade. I'm not sure if it's finalized yet or not or whatever. But, yeah, there's a chance he may not be on the roster. Oh, really? Um, okay. Just, I hadn't heard about yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that's interesting. Well, I mean, if he if he is on the roster, I think that would have something to do yes. with it. Love it. But uh, I just I kept I keep going back to Doka, Frank, and I think Rockets fans are getting upset about everything being done, and this is all put on Rafael Stone. Look, Imbe, this team is not making a move without Imbe Udoka's input and okay, and you know I, I feel like those guys are working together, but I think this is these are this is about Udoka. If you don't like the if you don't like Dylan Brooks, blame Udoka. If you don't like the Fred Van Vliet, if you don't like a pick of Fred Van Vliet over James Harden, then this is Udoka. And, you know, M.A. Udoka, if you don't like him, okay. But this is a guy we all signed off on just a month ago. Like, it wasn't that long ago, was it? Like, two months ago, a month and a half ago? Everybody was, like, all on board with M.A. Udoka because of, you know, what he what, what his resume is. And, you know, I I guess the reason I'm so confident in what they've done the last couple of days is because Udoka is the guy that I think is as is, is much calling the shots as anybody. I think this is this is him helping make a lot of these decisions. And, and these are guys that he buys into. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, like I said, he's laid out his criteria for or the the what he would like to get in free agents, guys that are defensive minded, guys that are good locker room presence, guys that have played on big stages. And I think they can check the box on everybody, maybe except Jacques Londale. I mean, he's played in the playoffs the past few years as well. So he, or he's been in the locker room of playoff teams. So even he checks the box. So if, if those are his standards, he's met all of those standards. And I trust him uh, to be, you know, a guy that's been around the NBA, been in winning pretty much his whole career. So we just got to let it, let it uh, cook. But I think at the end of the day, the Rockets, are, are going to go as far as the guys we drafted, those, high in the draft goes. And I think that's what my biggest takeaway from this um, free agency is that Jalen Green, Alperen Shangun, Jabari Smith Jr., uh, you know, Tari Eason to a lesser extent, uh, Man Thompson, Cam Whitmore to a lesser extent, those guys, at the end of the day, we still want them to be able to hit their potential because if they don't, then all of this means nothing. So I think going forward, that is what it's going to come down to is can at least two of these guys reach a level where they can be the first or second best player on a contender. And if we do that, then all of these moves, whether it's tie tie being given away or whatever, they really mean nothing. But 
Um, I think what Stone has done over, not even just today, but over the past few years, he's given himself very slim margins. And all the stuff me and you sat on here and complained about, these little micro things that people just blew off, they matter. The peripherals matter in the NBA. You have to win on the edges. And some of these losses that we've taken over the years now, we're trying to overcorrect for them now. Um, and going forward, he just has to make better decisions and make smarter moves and be proactive. And I think they're doing the right thing by getting veterans on the roster, infusing this roster with good type of veterans. We'll see what, what the payoffs are. Um, but I, I think that um, they're, you know, like I said, if I had to give it a grade for the free agency, since Fred Van Fleet's contract is in the third year guaranteed, I'm going to give it a probably a B minus just because I don't think that, you know, I know you're more optimistic than me. I, I still think that everything they did was, except for even Fred's contract, I think everything was contingency. I don't think if you hook Stone up to a lie detector, he'll tell you, yeah, this is what we planned out. So, um, but, you know, great pivot for them. We'll see whether it pays off. Yeah, I give them an A minus. There's just, and really it's the edge stuff that I don't like. It's, you know, giving up those two guys to Atlanta. If that's what, if that's exactly what happened, if that's the whole trade, then that seemed a little bit weird to me. Um, Even though like Garuba is not somebody that I like, I just was like, Ty Ty Washington, you have to give away picks to, you know, for a guy that you just drafted in the first round. And that was considered by most a first round pick going into that draft. But, um, you know, overall, I can't be happier with the offseason. And I just feel like you got one of the best coaches in the NBA, a guy that was in the finals, like I said, a month ago. You got a guy uh, in Fred Van Vliet that is a, a leader that brings everything that you want to the locker room as far as from the neck up and and just the stuff that he could impart with those guys. You got one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. Uh, You've got two guys in the draft that were considered by most people top five talents, definitely physically two of the top five physical guys in that entire draft. So, I mean, I, I, I'm just ecstatic with what they've done in the offseason. You know me, Frank, I've been a huge critic, huge critic of, of, of what they've been doing. And, and I agree with everything you said about, yeah, some of this stuff is, you know, they're trying to overcorrect and 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 they're they're having to make up with stuff that they've done over the last three years, but they've done it to me about as well as they could do it. Free agency these days, like people don't get it. Free agency these days is not what it's all cracked up to be. It's not oh we can pick this guy and pick that guy. You're fighting other teams. You're fighting other teams that are way up in the standings, and you're not. And and people don't think that Houston has a reputation after the last three years and they're fighting against that reputation players and media. Some of the criticisms have been fair. Some of them have been totally unfair, but there's been so much criticism of Houston. They're fighting against that when free agency, unfortunately. And you know, what you can say what you want to about it, but, but that's just a fact. Was there anything Frank uh, that you heard over the last couple of days from fans that you felt feel like, they're, they're kind of getting this thing wrong. Is there any misconceptions about a, a player or just overall where, where the franchise is right now that you just feel like you just heard over and over again? You're like, oh, come on, don't say that. That's wrong. I think, well, one of the the, the biggest ones is the expectations for, for the Rockets. Um, you know, some not everybody, but some people think it's like playoffs or bust for, the, for this team. Uh, I don't think so. 
Um, I still think even with the additions they made, uh, it's still, I mean, it's, it's this year one is going to be learning. So I want people to tamper their expectations. These, they have to learn how to win. Um, and that takes time. And so I still think they're going to be, it's going to be a bumpy road for them. We've added players that really will help in developing, but I think this year coming up is laying those foundational bricks to building towards what you're building towards. Right now, everybody's markers, set your markers to the 2025 season. Um, to me, that's when you're really going to see the, like, when everything comes together. But th this year, this year is going to be a makeup year. Just like I talked about paying for everything that we've done in the past, for the sins that we've committed, this is, uh, we're going to start atoning for them this year with bringing in vets, having this coach laying down his philosophy and his principles into the, the core and getting them uh, their mindset. You can, even in Boston, it took half the season for them to buy into what he was selling. So, you know, I'm assuming it's going to take some time for us to get it. So, you know, if you guys think that, oh, yeah, we got these players. And if uh, if Coach Adoka doesn't win 50 games and he's, you know, he's a bad coach, I think that's that's not going to be a fair um, assessment of them. Um, I think give them a couple, like a year or two, probably the, uh, the year after this, then you'll see major leagues. But I do expect them to win at least 30 games, 35 games something in that range. And um, I think that'll be a great leap because you're still going to be lined heavily on the court. I would expect 35 wins roughly. And mm -hmm. one thing that happened today, as we're talking on Saturday, the Rockets moved ahead of a one team in the Western conference today. Uh, you know who I'm talking about? The Spurs? Was it the Spurs? Are we? No, no uh, Portland no. Trailblazers. They are ahead oh, okay. of the Portland Dead Trailblazers. Last. Okay. Yeah. If <laughs> Lillard's gone. The Trailblazers. It's 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 a they're in rebuild mode. Oh yeah, tank mode. Yeah, we we've seen that movie before. Even down to the GM saying that we're gonna find the team that I was like, yeah, they're gonna cave. We know how this works. The star is gonna get where he wants to go, and uh, yeah, so Portland is gonna go through their own mini uh, James Harden saga with them. Hopefully they. Well, at least they start off with Scoot. We didn't have a Scoot to start with. So, good for them. Yeah, I, I think the Rockets will have a better record than the Spurs, don't you? Oh, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough because they're getting a bunch of guys coming back. I really like that Spurs teams with Vassell and uh, Keldon Johnson, and they re-signed Tyus Jones. Uh, Ty, what's his name? Uh, uh, well, Tyus Jones' little brother. Um, they, you know, Wemby, I don't think Wemby is going to be as impactful as people think, honestly, I think he's going to be very limited, uh, in his first few, uh, like first year in the NBA. Um, I do like SoCan and, and Popovich, obviously, I think they're going to be good. We should have a better record than them because we have, uh, more talented players. Like if you look at it as a whole and a, uh, some good vets, more talented veterans. So we'll see. I hope we do. I, f I feel like we should be in that bubble a playoff, I mean, a bubble play-in team looking in, possibly in a ninth or uh, ninth seed. Um, a play-in experience for our guys would be golden. I mean, that would be perfect um, if they can get a chance to be in that atmosphere with Fred Van Vliet. That's where you'll see the value of having Fred and, and Dylan Brooks and all those guys really come in. Yeah, you're going to have to jump. You're going to have to be better than uh, five teams. I, to, Portland, to San Antonio, maybe um what is it pelicans i don't know what the, you know okc is going to be right there um utah yeah it's going to be tough utah there we go it's possible it's possible and you know somebody that's in the top is going to slip down for whatever reason somebody's going to mess up so it it's it's very possible for them to make a play yeah there's there's always injuries and all that sort of yeah. stuff uh rockets chop shop 
I know you guys have got to been working overtime the last week. What all? Yeah, yeah, we did a five, a four and a half hour live stream on on the start of the free agency. I don't know why. Next year we're not doing that. In previous years, when free agency starts, as soon as five o'clock or four, whatever the time is comes, you get a thousand tweets from Shams and Woj breaking. This year was just for the Rockets. They were taking so long, so we thought we were going to get all these breaking stories and ended up being on there for almost five hours. But uh, yeah, we do the live streams. Um, as soon as I get off with you, I'm gonna go record a video for um, for my reaction to the to the uh, to the trades. But yeah, you guys keep supporting us, man. We appreciate it. I feel like Adam Silver had Shams and Woj on the leash. On uh, oh yeah, yep, yeah, because they usually they usually have a lot more. Thirty stuff. minutes before, it. yeah, yeah, it's like they already start leaking stuff. Like it's rumored, you know, they can't say directly. This year it was really tight. Or it could be that Woj has been wrong a lot in the past few years, and he's just really actually doing his reporting and not just speculating to not look stupid like he has in the in the past few years. So, but I liked it. I liked the suspense of it. It was really, really an experience. Hey, thanks for doing this. I'm so excited. I can't wait till the season now. Let's get it started. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, man. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.